The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Football in full swing, and MyBookie.ag is offering you up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, enter that promo code SGP, up to $1,000 for your first deposit. Again, that is MyBookie.ag, where you play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by Amazon. Log on to SportsGamblingPodcast.com, click the Amazon banner, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop to help support the podcast, Sports Gambling Podcast, and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Inside Vegas podcast. NFL week four is already here. And again, different handicapping approaches every single week. Welcoming on Fabian Summer, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Catch him there at Suma810SUUMA810. My friend across the, seems across the world now in Germany, man. Uh, how is everything with you? I know we were just talking. You just had a baby. I can't even imagine trying to handicap an NFL schedule with that going on, man. How is everything with you? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Christian. Yeah, exciting times for me. I became a dad, la- dad like uh, six weeks ago. Um, and yeah, so it's pretty cool to stay up at night, watch some football and have the baby on my chest. Uh, pretty cool. Um, not much free time now, but um, I think there could be worse reasons for it. Um, and yeah, so right now it's basically just work, f- uh, watching football and the baby. You really have made the transition to kind of, you know, full-time, uh, you know, kind of professional NFL better as well. And I think that, you know, when uh, when outside things, you know, kind of impact that when it comes to, I know you're such a, a, you know, an old school handicapper at heart when it comes to film and everything like that, man. It's something that, you know, I think a lot of people don't really, um, you know, can understand how, how you know, and much of an impact that can have on priorities in, in life and change and all that type of stuff, man. Biggest differences for you kind of now that, you know, outside things and, you know, babies and all that type of thing happen. You know, how has that has that been a huge challenge for you trying to, you know, continue your process of the film making that, you know, our updating power numbers, all that type of stuff as well? Um, not really. I, I still try to to get um, all my time necessary studying football and doing all the handicapping stuff. Um, and yeah, I think you, you just got to take the time to do that stuff. Um and yeah, so for for instance, uh, in the evening, watching TV, having the baby on my arm, I am still doing some some stuff on my iPad. So um, I really I'm trying to learn to do some stuff simultaneously, you know. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it's just a matter of of routine, I guess. Hey man, that, that baby's going to be betting by the time he's six. I absolutely love it, bro. And again, for, for anyone <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that uh, hasn't checked out the last episode that we did and kind of explains, you know, your background and story as well, um, which was right, right before the NFL season, I believe back in July. Um, for anyone that doesn't know or isn't familiar, man, I want to kind of get your, you know, what is your thought process? You know, you, the, um, you know, how do you go about handicapping games? Again, I know you're more of the power numbers guy and, and the quote unquote value guy, and you place such a high emphasis on, um, uh, you know, getting the best of a number, closing line value, all that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, big picture of you, what is kind of your uh, philosophical standpoint when it comes to handicapping the NFL? 
Um, yeah, so I, I try to merge some different approaches um, for spreads. I kind of do some, let's say, some data stuff. Um, I have a model that gives me like a base number for every game um, that gets a little bit adjusted for market regression and um, some glaring injuries and, and stuff or situational stuff. Um, that gives me like a, a base number where a line should um, should probably be. Um, and then I merge it with my, um, let's say, match-up um, coaching handicapping approach. So I, I just I just check out the matchup um, for, for each game, strength, weaknesses of team of teams. Um, how do certain strength of some teams match up with the weaknesses of their opponents? Quarterback matchup, um, coaching matchup, situational stuff like this, like that. And yeah, then I come up with a couple of spreads that I, that I like for a week. And for totals, I don't have any model or something like this. Um, the totals are pretty much just um, matchup based, matchup coaching based. Um, um, I also look a lot at uh, a lot at numbers, a lot of data. Um, but um, for in-season plays, I don't look. I don't really much look at data before like week four, week five, because um, after three games, most of the stuff is pretty noisy um, and schedule-based. So like, for instance, the Cowboys look very good offensively, but they played the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. So um, we wouldn't probably take the standard of the first three weeks for the, Dol uh, for the Cowboys going forward and expect them to regress a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I try to put everything together. And then uh, the second part is obviously, as you have already mentioned, um, getting the best of the number, pretty important for me. Um, I try to get um, as many bets in um, early in the week, Mondays, Tuesdays, um, when we have a lot of market movement. Um, I think that these are the times where you can get incredible line value. Um, very important for me to anticipate some line movement. So I basically beat the closing line and some folks on, on gambling Twitter believe that um, beating the closing line um, doesn't mean anything, but um, yeah, it, it literally wins you more bets in the long run. And um, you also want to basically measure your own bets against um, the most efficient numbers out there. So that's very important to me. And um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much um, my handicapping process. It's so interesting, man, to, to kind of see, you know, how uh, different people handicap different things. And I want to ask you, because you are so into the weeds of kind of the numbers side and stuff like that, you know, do you really have, you know, a big, you know, data sheet of, of that says, you know, this offensive lineman is this right tackle is worth this to a spread. If he's out, it should be downgraded here. And if it's not, it's a buy point or, or kind of, you know, what is the extent that you assign quote unquote numbers to individual players? Or is it more team um, power numbers as a whole? And you kind of just add and subtract, you know, kind of by the eye test? Um, yeah, the last one you've mentioned, um, I basically do everything on the team level. Um, and when it comes to the matchup on the field, I try to incorporate injuries and I try to, let's say, put a value on certain injuries that I think that matter. Um, there are very many players that don't matter for me to spread at all. But there are some players that matter, like um, some really good wide receivers who, who have an impact on the game, um, good cornerbacks, um, 
sometimes a really good tight end um, if, if the team uses that player a lot. Obviously, um, quarterbacks. Um, and yeah, basically, I, I always look at the team level and then I try to put a number or a value on some um, certain injuries. When it comes to the value, the power ranking side of stuff, is it, you know, what dictates kind of a buy point for you if it's, you know, somebody is downgraded to out, whether it be alignment on either side or receiver, quarterback, whatever it is, and the, you know, the adjustment in the line isn't moved, you have a certain number, or, you know, if, if it's a point off from your numbers, or if it's two points, or, you know, is there a definitive buy point, or will you always take that kind of, you know, say it's a half point off or one point off, will you always take that value? Um, I think it depends. Um, for instance, um, let's say I have a game at, let's say, minus four, and the market is currently um, at, let's say, minus, mi minus three, for instance, and I think that a certain injury isn't really priced into the market or won't be priced into the market properly, and then the player is out. Um, that gives me like another reason on, or more reason to take that game right now at minus three you know what i mean so um that would basically describe my process regarding injuries if there aren't any injuries how do you go about you know is it as simple as you make a line with all your factors incorporated and if the line is off um you know half point a point whatever it is uh in the marketplace is that kind of the automatic buy or is it a certain point you have to get to before you'll uh fire on a bet um no um i often have the scenario that um, the market number differentiates from the number that I apply for a game, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to bet it um, because um, sometimes I just don't like the matchup or the, the coaching matchup or there are some injuries that um, I don't price as heavily that have an impact on the game. Um, so there are some games that are off from my numbers where I say, okay, at um, at a certain buy point, let's say I have a game lined at minus eight um, and I say that there aren't any injuries um, to be monitored and I like the matchup on the field. So when the game opens um, like minus 6.5 on Monday morning, that's that's an auto bet for me. So I have that scenario, but sometimes... Um, the number I create um, can be off from the market, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to bet it because I don't like the matchup or I have some, let's say, injury concerns or something like that. Awesome, man. Is there any kind of matchup on the board that is wildly different than your handicapping numbers, but because of whatever reason that it will not be a bet for you that we can kind of, you know, segue into talking about this week four NFL card? Yes, um, it's the Texans against the Panthers. Um, I have the Texans... Um, at, um, I think my model number was like minus seven. And then I adjusted a little bit for the uncertainty of the Panthers. And it could be that Kyle Allen is much better than we, than we think or, um, something like that. And I came up with a number of Texans minus six. That's I think two points off from the market, but I don't like to bet this game because, um, I have some concerns with the Texans. Um, their secondary isn't really good. Um, they can easily get exploited. I think um, the Panthers match up very well with their um, horizontal spread attack. 
Um, some speedy guys out, out there like Christian McCaffrey against those Texans linebackers and Curtis Samuel against that secondary. And um, there are a lot of scenarios where I could see the Panthers um, giving the Texans a real good fight. Um, and I also don't like the coaching matchup. I think the Panthers have the better coaching staff with North Turner, Ron Rivera against uh, Bill O'Brien. So um, matchup-wise, there is a small tendency towards Carolina, and that's why I'm just staying away. I won't really fade my numbers, but um, sometimes, like in this matchup, I'm just going to stay away and I say, okay, I, I have some line value, but I don't like the matchup on the field or the situation, and so I'm staying away. Let's talk about the market's reaction week to week. And I want to ask you how it compares with your, you know, how much will you upgrade a or downgrade a team, uh, a team's power numbers based on what we saw the last week. And we'll use kind of the first game that we're going to break down as an example of this, you know, Cleveland, um, you know, not not living up to, I guess, some people's lofty expectations, depending on how you felt about them coming into the year. But we've seen this number with Baltimore putting up a pretty, you know, a, a nice fight uh, for them last week. You know, this number, uh, Cleveland versus Baltimore, opened, I believe, uh, minus four, minus four and a half. And you're seeing pretty much a flat seven uh, painted across the board, depending on what shop you're at. Um, when you have a number like that, it, you know, and it's so different from either the look ahead lines or the preseason lines for this type of thing, how, you know, basically would be what, uh, let's call a two and a half point line move based on recency bias is that something that you incorporate as heavily as well or are you kind of on the more conservative side of upgrading your or downgrading your numbers week to week um i think i'm a little bit conservative um, in that regard um like i said um i i update the model with, with data after week four but um also, on a weekly basis, I, I tend to, to move my numbers a little bit towards um, the market um, because, in theory, we would expect the market to be very efficient late in the week and um, that, let's say, the closing line is very efficient um, and actual team performances are, to some degree, mirrored in, in the more efficient market lines. So, I... I regress my numbers a little bit towards the market but not very heavily that i um let's say one week the browns play super well right now um d bombs to all beckham they win 40 10 then i wouldn't go on and adjust their number like three or four points or um in my model two wins or, or something um so on that side i'm very cons conservative um i don't want um let's say that my raw numbers um, are not adjusted for the market and I have like an eight point differential against the market after week four or five, that's not going to happen. But um, by adjusting the numbers, I'm, I'm more conservative than aggressive. When it comes to this matchup, I think it's fascinating because I think that the pendulum has swung really heavily here. And I want to ask about that two and a half point uh, line move since open. You know, is that something where you would look at inherently and say there's value in, you know, Cleveland at that seven mark? It, you know, could that be a bet for you when you, you know, look at at the beginning of the week, it was at four. Well, now you're inherently getting three points, right? So is that a value, you know, would that be kind of the auto value uh, situation for you and always take those points of value? Um, I make the game exactly minus seven. So um, right now, there wouldn't be any value for me. Um, 
I wasn't really able to get these minus fours. It, it was very early in the week. And I think on Monday, um, on my books, the game opened like minus 5.5. And it was super quickly bet up to minus 6.5. Um, and then minus 7. Um, if the game opened like, I don't know, minus 4, it would probably have been a, a buy for me. Um, because um, three points of value, including the 6 and the 7, um, that's pretty good value and I also like the matchup on the field for Baltimore. I think they are the better team on both sides of the ball um, so in that case um, if I had uh, if I was able to get like the minus 4 number in some shops I probably would have been a buy for me but um, right now at minus 6.5 or minus 7 whatever it is um, that's, that's just a no player for me yeah, I think that Lamar Jackson's a really curious case right now because, uh, you know, it's it's more so, you know, when it comes to situations like this for a new year and again, such such a short sample size in the NFL, I think that, you know, is, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, have you had to really upgrade your, you know, rank, you know, power numbers as, as to what he's worth um, in, in really Baltimore flipping their offensive philosophy and even defensive philosophy, you know, a 180. I think that last year's power number on Baltimore and even on uh, Lamar Jackson would have to be largely thrown away and started over, but you don't want to overreact. Is that something that you kind of find yourself walking that tightrope to do as well? Yeah, exactly. So um, going to the season, I had the Ravens power ranked very high um, because there's a lot of um, data from the prior season involved. And I had like a, let's say, conservative sophomore pro projection for Lamar Jackson. So I had him projected to do a little bit better than last year. Um, and I came up with um, a, a pretty high expected win total for the Ravens. I think they were like my seventh ranked team or something like that. Um, and so I didn't have to make a huge adjustment for Lamar Jackson. But um, handicapping-wise, sure, um, they are playing way better than I, I think we all expected. Um, I expected their defense to do a little bit, little bit better, um, and I didn't expect such a huge jump from Lamar Jackson. To be fair, he didn't play um, the greatest defenses in the world, but you can pretty much see where this offense is going to and what they want to do on the field um, with all of these various options, deep shots down the field, play action, RPOs, getting Lamar on the move. I really like that. I think Greg Roman is a fantastic offensive coordinator. And yeah, um, handicapping-wise, I think you absolutely have to adjust your preseason expectations for such a significant change on the field. Let's move over to another quarterback who is, uh, I guess, making leaps, man, when you look at this, um, you know, and that's Josh Allen. I think that there's certain teams that traditionally uh, either do or don't break the rules of sports betting. And if you take the value or you don't want to pay the quote unquote taxes of, you know, the Patriot tax, the whatever it is, um, you know, sometimes it's just no matter what the extra point or two of value and doesn't matter. And that seems to be the case with New England um, this season. Again, the Patriots defense has not allowed a touchdown since the AFC championship game. It's absolutely incredible, man. Um, <laughs> I think this is a situation where people are, are very, very high on Buffalo right now. And for whatever reason, this Patriots team, um, I'll say a little disrespected here, but I think people are, are, you know, I think Buffalo is a very trendy uh, public underdog this week. And I'm not sure I understand the love when you look at the quality of competition that Buffalo has faced. Um, I completely agree with you. Um, I make the game a seven, so basically right on the market money. Um, I think 
when you look at the numbers and or when I look at the tape, I don't. I'm not really impressed with Buffalo. Sure, they are three and O, and credit where credits due, but um, they played the Jets, they played um, the Giants with Eli Manning, and they played the Bengals last week, and they had two close wins against the Jets and the Bengals. Um, so that's not really impressive. And when you look at the numbers, like um, don't know efficiency stats, EPA, QBR. Um, that offense ranks below average. They rank in the in the low 20s after playing um, three crappy opponents. So um, they are three and zero, but I think it's it, it has a lot to do with who they face and against a team like the Patriots. Um, honestly, I think it's the best defense Bill Belichick has maybe ever had. Um, incredible personal. He can do so many things with his defense. Great cornerbacks, great safeties. Um, Devin McCordy's playing a great season. Um, lots, lots of uh, depth on the defensive line. And I think Bill Bilching will, will find a way to um, close down the Bills' offense. Um, I don't think they will do anything against the Pats' defense. Um, and yeah, I would tend to lean Pats if I had to bet the game. I would, I would take the Patriots here. I understand that Buffalo is a sexy pick, three and zero home game. Crowd's going to go nuts. Josh Allen gets a lot of hype, but um, yeah, I'm not overly impressed aside of the record. Yeah, man, completely agree with you there. Another line that has moved, and I'm, I want to just highlight games that really illustrate your style, man. And when it comes to the value, this is another one opened up in the dead zone. I think it was either four and a half or five um, that this uh, Kansas City at Detroit opened up. Detroit, another team. Um, look, credit where credit's due for last week. I think maybe that was more an indictment of Philadelphia uh, than it was really a, a buy point on Detroit. I believe that was Matthew Stafford's eight or ninth win in his career versus a winning team. And people always want to talk about Cousins, but Stafford has been. You know, in some ways, much worse um, than Cousins against winning teams. Again, same question applies here. When you see that point of value or you know, point and a half um, come into the market, is that something that you would look to buy for in this situation or does this one differ in any way than the Cleveland and Baltimore situation? Um, I think one of my books had Kansas City minus 5.5 last week. On Monday, my books, I think um, across the board, opened that line minus six and a half. Um, to your question, um, I think a a move from minus 5.5 to 6.5 is not really that significant to me. Um, I like the Chiefs in this matchup. Um, I think the move, if, if, if it was like a minus 5 last week or look ahead something, um, I think that move is justified because, as you said, the Lions got extremely lucky. They almost blew that game, even though they had so many stuff going on for them in that game. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to crush their defense. Um, and yeah, I think the line, even though it, it's road shock, it's, it's, it's a pretty fair line in my opinion. And um, it could even be minus seven for me. When you place such a, a high emphasis on numbers, and really that's kind of the backbone of what you do, man, I want to ask you about this because I think people are very split sometimes. Do you utilize more teasers than than normal, uh, or not, not than normal, but um, you know more teasers than most professionals the way that I do as well? Because to me, man, I look at, I know it's square, and I know every every person in the world is going to be on it, but how do you not at least put a little something on Patriots minus one, Chiefs minus one and a half, um, or even Moneyline parlay them um, because – you know, how do you feel about teasers when it comes to line value for you? 
Um, I don't play a lot of teasers. Um, I play them sometimes, and I'm on the side of that um, it has to be plus EV um, in the data, um, historically plus EV. Um, road favorites usually are not plus EV on teasers, um, but I think the Patriots are one of the teams or maybe the only team that has been plus EV on um, road favorite teasers um, over the past like 10 or 20 years. So, um, yeah, mathematically, road favorites aren't a great play on teasers, but I cannot make any argument against someone who takes the pads from minus 7.5 to like minus um, 1.5. So um, I think you can make a pretty good, pretty good case um, handicapping wise. And um, if you want to play a teaser that's not mathematically plus EV, um, I would like to go with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, I would say. Yeah, no, for sure. We talked about Carolina and Houston. This next game, I think, is going to really illustrate kind of uh, how you look at injuries, man, because we look at this right now. Oakland heads to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a seven-point favorite, but let's go over this injury report, and I want uh, to kind of hear your take on how you quantify this stuff. Um, this was for... Uh, this came out today. So uh, Pierre Desir, hamstring, uh, did not practice. T.Y. Hilton, quad. Malik Hooker, knee. Ryan Kelly, illness. Darius Leonard, concussion. Tyquan Lewis, ankle. Muhammad, neck. Uh, Milligan, knee. Jabal Sheard, knee. And Jonathan Williams, uh, rib again, not that important. But when there is such a, a laundry list of guys that are banged up, um, at you know, I know Hilton is in there, um, the secondary. How do you kind of go about quantifying that when it's such a big injury report for teams like this? Um, I know there are lots of guys who um, are much better at modeling and, and quantifying things. Um, they would probably come up with a very precise number for some of these injuries. Um, I make it very easy. Um, I have a raw number of minus eight for the Colts, but with all those injuries and T.Y. Hilton, for instance, um, um, Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, um, Funch is still out. Um, I, I, I just say that all... All these injuries are like um, 2.5, 2 to 2.5 points of value to me across um, or through the seven. And um, I would come up with an adjusted line of uh, minus six for the calls. Not really interesting me. Um, I think Oakland could be a live dog in this game, um, even though I think the Colts are the much better team and they have the much better coaching staff, the, probably the better quarterback in Brissette. But um, that's that's a game the Raiders could win because the Colts, um, they are they are pretty much banked up and their defense is regressing heavily from last season. Um, they are not good defensively, and I think the Raiders could move the ball. Um, but in terms of the line or the spread, it's a complete stay away from me. Yeah, man. I want to ask you a couple more questions about some of these games. But as always, guys, Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Right now, football in full swing. MyBookie is offering you up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right. All you got to do is enter that promo code SGP and $1,000 in bonus bets for your first deposit at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Amazon. Log on to SportsGamblingPodcast.com and click the Amazon banner. Bookmark that link every time you shop and help support support the podcast.
Uh, let's talk about this, man, because you can say, uh, people could say a lot of things about me or my handicapping style when it comes to the, the NFL, but you can't say I don't adapt. And I think failure to adapt is absolutely, uh, will be the number one killer for, for anybody. And you have to see what the market is telling you. And when we talked, we me and you have had so many uh, conversations kind of behind the scenes when I'm, we, you know, when I bring up the spread not mattering, the spread is dead, all that type of stuff. What we are seeing this year, finally, after three years, I, I believe, is odds makers finally catching up. And when you talk about, you know, New England breaking, you know, all these gambling rules that I, I like you talked about, road chalk, all that type of stuff, teasers. Um, I think that you're finally seeing odds makers catch up to the parody in the NFL, specifically how bad the bad teams are and how good the good teams are. And you're finally seeing, uh, you know, this Chargers team laying 16 to Miami. You've seen 21s out there, uh, 17s, uh, you know, for the Dallas games um, before that as well. Finally, you're seeing these college football style of spreads. And this is why the spread is mattering more this year than it has basically the past three years combined already. Uh, what, you know, do you feel it's the same way or is this just Miami team something of an outlier along with uh, the Jets when we're seeing these huge numbers? And again, I want your thoughts on, you know, laying 16 on the road with the Chargers team. Um, yeah, I think um, a team like the Miami Dolphins this year, they are one of the outliers, like um, the Coles 2011. Um, but do you see the difference from the 0 and 16 Browns uh, team, or I think it was sorry, I think it was Detroit, whatever it was. Um, or, you know, the, when the Browns were historically bad, or Detroit was historically bad, those spreads were still barely touching double digits compared to this year, where you're seeing 21, 17, 16s against these bad teams. Um, yeah, um, completely right. I think in the tooth, I think it was 2017 when the Browns were 0 and 16. Um, the crazy part that was that. I think the Browns team in 2017 um, was much more talented than like the Dolphins of this of this year. Um, during the off season, we had a lot more talk about the Browns being being capable of um, winning some games. I think many projections had them in the 5, 11, 6, 10 range, um, and I think these preseason expectations somehow carried over to the actual season and we had all these reports like sharps hammering the browns on a weekly basis mm -hmm. um double digit jaguars like three um, four years ago spreads. as well yeah yeah absolutely like the old school sharps pounding the double digit, digit browns something like that um and i think this year with the dolphins um like everyone before the season talked about how they are going to have the number one overall pick 10 for tura and i just think that the perception of this Dolphins team is quite different from the Browns in 2017. Um, and yeah, then the Dolphins, they are playing, they're also playing some really good teams like the Patriots, um, Super Bowl contenders, um, Chargers playoff team, the Cowboys had that um, amazing two games offensively and then they suddenly laid minus 21. Um, so I think it's a combination of Dolphins being much worse from a perception standpoint than like the Browns of 2017, but also facing some really good um, um, often, uh, teams. When you say when you see these big spreads, um, biggest we've ever seen really in the NFL week after week, it seems, is there inherently value? Because I don't think that odds makers truly know just how bad um, these some of these teams are. And is that, you know, I, I you see the 16 point home dog and I, I think that 
for again, maybe I'm I'm just assuming here, but you know, like you said, the old school professionals or numbers guys like you are going to see value in that every single time, despite it. Or is it just they are the outlier? They are that bad, and hey, maybe the market just isn't going to. It's going to take a little bit to know truly how bad they are. Yeah, I think the the the, the letter part. Sorry, the letter part applies here. Um, I think the markets can't really figure out where to put these numbers. Um, Sure, I, I think that every model and every power rating in the world um, would have come up with um, a play on the Dolphins last week against the Cowboys. Um, I think it was like minus 23 or something and the Cowboys still covered by one point or something. So I think that everyone with a model or power rating would say, hey, there's some value on the Dolphins. Um, my numbers also had some value on the Dolphins um, and a little bit of value on the Jets last week. But these are just games where I I just admit that I struggle to price them accu accurately. Um, I don't really know how bad the Dolphins really are. Um, they Maybe they have some good games with Josh Rosen. It's, it's just so much uncertainty. And these are just the kind of games I completely stay away from. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you there. Let's talk about a new quarterback. And then again, a lot of these narratives when it comes to, you know, how you uh, handicap uh, specifically, you're going to kind of repeat here. But how do you adjust for a guy like Daniel Jones coming in where Washington looks so bad? And again, the Giants three point home favorites in this spot. Is it kind of a stay away until you can kind of, you know, accurately, you know, nail down what Daniel Jones is worth to the spread or, or how they look with him or, or all that type of stuff? Um, I think that the, you know, the second NFL game for a rookie quarterback. Uh, being a, a three-point favorite, even at home, um, again, flipping, if, if Washington was at home line, basically telling you this would be right around a pick as well. Um, how do you kind of quantify that coming in and that unknown? Yeah, it's really hard to quantify. Um, for guys like Daniel Jones, I have like a standard rookie projection when it comes to the model numbers. Um, and handicapping-wise, I, I just need some games to to be really sure what to think of them. Um, I try to handicap um, the games with all the information possible, but if I think that the number is pretty um, or is pretty much spot on, and there isn't really any value on the number, um, I'm just skipping that game. I stay away. I try to get a better grasp and watching those games and um, try to come up with a better projection the next time. Anything you really want to talk about? I don't think there's too much narrative in terms of uh, number-driven handicapping in Seattle, Arizona, or Tampa in the Rams outside of just, I guess, the only thing would be kind of how do you quantify the progress of um, one Kyler Murray? But uh, anything in either of those two games, I'll kind of lump them together. I just don't think there's a ton to talk about there. Um, I think the interesting part about the Rams is that um, Jared Goff is showing the world that he isn't really good. Um, and... Yeah, the, the Rams offense is really struggling so far this year. Um, and we all thought that he's going to face some more pressure and um, teams have figured out their offense and they indeed have um, all those articles um, explaining that the defensive coordinators put up that 6-1 front against the outside zone scheme. Um, and but, but what some numbers by PFF also show is that Jared Goff has been very bad uh, in clean pockets, so without any pressure. Um, and um, when it comes to my process, for instance, um, Jared Goff last season in my numbers had 
let's not say an outlier, but he performed better than what I would expect from him. So he performed above his career level. And for this season, I had the Rams um, and the uh, Jared Goff and the Rams offense downgraded from last season because my projection was somewhere closer to his um, career level. So I'm not really surprised that the offense is struggling, but I may be surprised that they are even struggling when Dredkov isn't pressured because um, I thought that um, defenses are going to play better against him and that offensive line is going to be worse. But um, he's also making some really terrible throws, even if there's no pressure, like throwing the ball straight to defenders. Um, and that's really concerning, and I don't really know what Sean McVay is going to do. Um, this week, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks have a shot to keep the game close um, because they have a very fascinating and aggressive passing offense that could put up some points. But I hate their coaching, um, Bayern Leftwich and Bruce Arians. I thought a lot more of, of, of the coaching staff, but they are really disappointing me, like um, calling way too many runs when they can't run the ball. Um, for instance, the last two games, they yes, are. Tell him, think, that was that was. I was going to use Carolina as my segue into this man, but I think we we would. I would be remiss if I didn't get you to talk about your hatred for running the football. So please tell the people why. Yeah. So um, passing the ball is in most situations much more efficient than running the ball. So um, let's say um, early downs, first and ten, second and eight. Um, there. Um, on these downs, passing the ball is much more efficient than running the ball. You um, collect more yards, you collect more first downs, you, you score more touchdowns by throwing the ball. Um, and really, the good um, play callers in the league, they all go pass heavy on early downs. Like the Chiefs, I think they are at um, 78% leading the league right now. Um, and they're really crushing opposing offenses on, on early downs. Um, and a team like the Bucks, they are over the past two weeks. I think they are the second most efficient and explosive passing offense on early downs, but they ran the ball 55% of the time. So um, they are really just doing some minus EV play calling, and I don't understand why Bruce Arians always talks about that he wants to be balanced. But I think being balanced is what Mike Leach said that you um, distribute the ball to the hands of your best playmakers and not try to um, do some 50-50 split um, pass running-wise. Is uh, the inception of all the play-action kind of next-level stats that have been out there and shown how much play-action has directly correlated with wins, with offense, yards per play, all that type of stuff, something you're incorporating more and more in, into your numbers? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, you you always want um, offenses you bet into, um, or let's say total team total something like that. You always want to have um, smart and good passing offenses. So teams who use play action um, at the highest rate in the league, or one of the highest rates in the league, they are always going to score more points. Um, and um, sometimes that kind of stuff isn't really well priced into the market, I guess, especially when you have some teams um, who are not really good at ex executing the offense, even though the play calling is plus EV. Um, yeah, and that's certainly some stuff to incorporate in your handicapping process, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, this this year, I think we are seeing a, a little boost in play action rate across the league. 
and all the teams that use play action at the highest rates like um, the Cowboys, the Ravens, um, the Chiefs, um, they are doing pretty well, I guess, um, and they are scoring lots of points. Even though the Giants, um, for instance, in the, that's a pretty good example. I think uh, with, with Eli Manning, the Giants had, um, in my opinion, some really cool play calling. Um, I think play action rate of over 30% when I'm not right, uh, not wrong. Um, but Eli Manning wasn't really able to execute that offense. And now Daniel Jones, I think he's he's more skilled than Eli Manning. He will have some rookie mistakes, but you can do um, some more stuff with him. Shermer can get him on the move, um, bootlegs, uh, running s some zone reads and all the stuff that's generally plus EV. And um, Eli Manning wouldn't be able to execute it, execute, execute it. But uh, Daniel Jones is kind of able to do that. So um, over the next couple of weeks, I expect the Giants um, to beat the spread quite a few times because I don't think that the market is properly um, adjusting for that kind of stuff. Um, like we have mentioned earlier, it's it's not easy to price Daniel Jones, but um, some of his skill set really translates well to what Pat Shermer is going to do. Um, and that offense gets um, going Tate back. Um, Sekron Barkley kind of hurts, but um, Sekron Barkley also um, needs to get the ball um, lots of times in inefficient situations like um, throwing the ball to him behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that offense is going to be um, yeah, not really bad. So I expect some interesting things from the from the Giants that that's not going to be pressed into the market. When it comes to running backs like Barkley, you know, say you know, being injured, being hurt, do you kind of uh, quantify you know what, I, I, what is Saquon Barkley worth uh, to the spread? I guess is the the straight up question. But do you price running backs or you know make their numbers a little bit less than other people you've noticed because you do devalue them so much, or is it different when it's a pass catching running back? Um, I think um, there are guys like um, Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara that have a little bit of an impact on the spread. Um, but generally, I don't um, adjust for running backs at all. I like it, man. Uh, trend betting. This is kind of the last narrative question before I get you out of here, man. I want to know if you look at them at all, you think that they are absolutely useless or what that is. And the way that we're going to kind of illustrate this is Minnesota heads to Chicago, Chicago, two and a half point favorite. We all know how bad Kirk Cousins is against winning or teams that finished the year over 500 the year before. Chicago certainly qualifies despite how bad that offense has looked. And if you look at last year, it was terrible in the second half. And a lot of that had to do with the easy competition in the first half, weeks one through eight, and how hard it got in the second half and I think we're seeing kind of you know that play out uh, with their schedule this year with the teams that they're facing um, but do you is that you know something a stat look to me every time Cousins nobody beats bad teams better than Kirk Cousins I've said this forever and nobody loses to better teams worse and to me that's the, the cheat sheet on the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins when he's there uh, and that's kind of the end all be all but I'm curious as to your take on trends and you know specifically the Cousins one when it comes to maybe if your number was any different on Minnesota versus Chicago um, I think there are some trends that matter um, in the term that um, it's, let's say, badly or not really properly priced into the market. So there are some trends where um, the market historically has overreacted to, to some certain situations. And therefore, you have a positive trend on like um, certain raw teams, certain home teams, etc. Those trends do have some impact, in my opinion, because in um, you, you will always find that 
teams in a specific situation that have a higher chance of covering, they are priced like um, worse than um, other teams in that um, uh, in a in a usual situations. Um, for instance, so for instance, um, teams coming off a bye week, um, some betters love the situations, but um, the truth is that teams of a bye week have, are, are in general overpriced. And you can always or, or often find some value on the other team. Um, and for the Kirk Cousins trend, yeah, um, I think um, it might sound kind of weird to some to, to some people, but I think as soon as Kirk Cousins plays against a, a playoff team or a really good team, I think that matters a lot because that guy just doesn't play winning football. Um, and I think that's something you have to account for that as soon as Kirk Cousins is in the spotlight or they have a, an important game or playing like against a playoff team or winning team, um, that's almost an auto bet, auto bet against Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I want to, I just don't think there's a ton left to talk about when it comes to your handicapping style with these games that are left, but correct me if I'm wrong and I'll kind of lump them all together here for the rest of the slate. Uh, Jacksonville heads to Denver, Denver, uh, three point favorite and Dallas heads to new Orleans as a three point, uh, road chalk. We can even throw, um, uh, the Cincinnati and Pittsburgh game in there. Pittsburgh, four and a half point uh, favorites. Um, I get the, you know, to me, uh, Rudolph, kind of the same narrative when it comes to Daniel Jones. I think it's more of a wait or see, but you have anything to kind of talk about on those three games or, or the narrative portion kind of gone for you? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I think the Rudolph performance against the Niners was horrible and you don't really know what you are getting. Um, so handicapping wise, um, if you think that um, the Steelers are laying too many points. I can absolutely understand if people go bet on, my, on, on, on Cincinnati on Monday night. Um, so I don't really know what I'm getting with, with Mason Rudolph. Um, will he play like, like against Seattle or like he played against the Niners? We don't really know. Um, the offensive line isn't playing well. Um, when it comes to New Orleans against Dallas, um, I think that the number for Dallas is a little bit too high. And I think that the spread reflects um, the early part of the season. So um, Dallas looked really well. Um, and even though it's Bridgewater, I think the, the plus three for, or let's say the minus three for Dallas isn't really justified because um, that offense isn't sustainable in the long run. Um, there's a, a, a decent chance that they are going to be much better than last year under Scott Linehan, but um, the performances they have put up um, through weeks one to three, they are going to regress at some point. Could be this this week at New Orleans Superdome. Um, tough tough game for the Cowboys, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I think the spread is a little bit off in that one. Um, and what was the other game? Uh, Jacksonville heads to Denver as uh, Denver three-point road uh, home favorites. Complete stay away from me. Um, I can't really get behind the Broncos because um, they are 0-3, but they aren't playing like an 0-3 team. Um, I think their offense is quietly moving the ball um, well. Um, they have killed themselves with some costly um, turnovers. Um in the Packers game, they had some. Uh, the, uh, I think they had two turnovers in their own half, where the Packers quickly scored um, two touchdowns off. Um, and if they don't have these stupid turnovers, um, I think it, it was two fumbles. Um, 
they would be a really live dog in that game and they, they would have given the Packers a real fight. So now against Jacksonville at home, awful advantage. Jacksonville probably without Ramsey traveling to Denver. Um, I would say advantage Denver, but it's a complete stay away for me. Completely agree, bro. Let's. I want to throw some trends at you before I get you out of here, and I want just kind of your uh, takeaways, relevant or not. I think is is kind of how we'll play this out when it comes to um, your handicapping style of uh, being so numbers driven. I'm going to throw some out at you and tell me if you think it's relevant or you think it's an absolute anomaly of just roulette wheels hitting the same thing for a couple of them. All right. Okay. Dallas first quarter under on the road ten and zero. Sorry, don't know. Um, I don't really look into derivative markets at all. I'm like a first quarter, first half. So um, you really caught me off guard. I don't have any opinion on that. <laughs> all right. Cincinnati <laughs> as a road underdog, eight and two. Last time. Um, not noise. Thursday night, first half unders, three and oh. I believe uh, Monday night was the first, first half under in primetime that did not go over or didn't go under. So it's uh, nine and one. Mm, first, I, I could I could understand if there is some small signal because short week um, and with the with the current um, practice rules teams um, don't really um, practice a lot anymore. Some teams have walkthroughs like the Eagles um, since last week, so there might be some signal, but um, tendency would be that it's noise. All right, Carolina, if they're a dog. Or uh, uh, of six points or more, the over, 16 and one. Noise. Detroit off two wins in a row, nine and 29. Noise. Kansas City. Uh, so, so, um, um, sorry, straight, straight up or against the spread? Against the spread. These are all ATS, sorry. Uh, okay, so um, in, in, I think in that situation, it could be that the market is simply overreacting to a team that one, two games in a row. Maybe um, in Detroit case, uh, in, 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 in their case, they had maybe some more blowouts than usual. They won very convincing. Uh, and so the market could overreact. Um, and it's basically a, a, a sell high spot so that they do very well ATS after two games. But um, it, it sounds kind of noisy to me. <laughs> I like it, man. Um, I'm trying to find ones that's not kind of the niche market for you. I think I have one more. Uh, Kansas City first half, uh, 17 and five. Last, uh, what is that, 22? Um, that could be some signal because Indy Reid, like I said, um, they are very aggressive early in the game on early downs. They, they um, throw the ball a lot. Um, they want to score tons of points in the first half. I think last, um, in 2018, they had by far the best first quarter offense in the league. So there might be some signal. And now I'm very interested in doing some more research on that. Um, I'm going to convert you to trend betting, man. Look at that. I'm going to get you converted (laughs) to my side. Yeah. uh... So, um, I could dig that there's some signal there um, with Andy Reid and um, his game plan. All right, man. Final one before I get you out of here and we hit our best bet, our consensus best bet. Ready for this one? Atlanta, non-conference game against the spread. 0-11, their last 11. Noise. All right. 
any game that specifically really highlights that you want to give out. And again, I want to, I'm going to give you the floor to plug, please go to his website, guys, suma.eu, S-U-U-M-A.eu. And again, I'm going to plug your numbers for you before you do it from 2014 up until this, man, 57.1% against the spread. I lovingly always call you robotic, man, because every single year I look at your record at the end of the year and it is 57 point something percent, usually eight or nine. And it's the uh, consistency is something I have really never seen with the exact uh, number and your ROI um, is absolutely incredible. So um, any game that really, you know, highlights how is something is super off from your number and you can kind of quantify why, what they're not taking into account. Um, I know you um, are doing uh, kind of premium services and all that type of stuff. So I don't want to ask you to give away anything like that, but anything that uh, you can kind of give out for a consensus best bet with us for inside Vegas week four NFL. Um, yeah, um, this week there, there are not a lot of spreads that are off from my projections. So I'm, um, generally on more totals this week, but there's one spread, um, that I bet early in the week and it's, um, Saints plus three. I think I got minus one or four. Um, and yeah, that number was off to me. I, I made the, that line Saints minus one at home. So I gladly took the plus three. No doubt the public will all, will be all over Dallas in a primetime spot laying a short number. Uh, but hey, they covered that against Washington with 90% of the tickets on them as well. So I like it, man. We'll go with that. We'll fade that public and we'll take your, the four points line value for our consensus best bet of the week, man. I want to give you the floor again to kind of plug everything you uh, have going on, Twitter, the website, uh, the service, everything you have, man. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter um, at uh, Suma810, S-U-U-M-A-810. Um, I have a service on my website, um, www.suma.eu. Um, basically, I sell all my picks and information. Um, I have um, weekly write-ups um, in, the, in the members area if you sign up. Um, you get sent out all my picks via email um, and on the website you can find the write-ups for those picks um, I have a weekly podcast where I go through the rest of the card and give out my thoughts and leans on the other games um, there's also a weekly cheat sheet um, where, where I sum up all my angles for the week, my leans, my plays um, where, I, where I highlight some injuries um, yeah, that's all you can find on the site. If you're not interested, that's also okay. Um, then you can just follow me on Twitter and get to some con conversations about betting and football. My man, go get some sleep. I know it's the opposite time in Germany. I know you get a new baby on the way. So I don't even know if that's possible, but I cannot thank you enough as always, bro, for taking some time out, talk with me, talking with me about the uh, upcoming NFL slate for my God, man. We are already in week four uh, already, man. So thank you oh, so yeah. much, bro. Crazy. Yeah, thanks for having me, Christian. Uh, have a good day. And yeah, I, I'm trying to get some sleep before the Packers game. <laughs> All right, bro. Take care. We'll talk <laughs> soon. All right. <laughs>